Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. You know, this week, I was working on getting everything set up and lined up and all, and, you know, there, there was going to be a nice flow that progressed through the week. You know, I, po- I posted the article about uh, um, the, the controversy from last weekend and Lewis's actions, and, and I think I've, I've made that point pretty clear. Yeah, I think we're, we're, we can but, move on from that. I had everything nailed down pretty well. And then our week, you know, actually, I think Renault Sport F1 summed it up very well how Friday went on Twitter. How did it go? In a Twitter post that they made. So they made a post Friday morning, Friday morning Eastern time. So it was a bit later in in Europe. Europe. It just says, hi, everyone. We've just come back from our departmental Christmas lunch. Lovely venue, but had no signal. Did we miss anything? <laughs> to which oh, yeah. Mercedes AMG F1's own Twitter account responded with just a GIF that was a picture of Homer Sil- Simpson stepping back and melting into a hedge with the word nope superimposed <laughs> over it. <laughs> Renault, by the way, responded, sending you a new keyboard and a new phone and spare battery packs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's the thing. (laughs) I hope that in your game plan for today's uh, podcast, we are going to review the Twitter postings, at least at a high level. Because I have to tell you, if you're not following some of these teams, you are missing some of the best hilarity ever. (coughs) Um, Well, the the predating Renault Sport F1, Lotus was known for having some pretty epic posts throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but this week, several of the teams appeared to have decided that, you know, the season's over. We are going to let our hair down in a whole lot of ways. And then we had Friday's announcement come down, and Mercedes just had a field day. Okay, so just back up for a second because, you know, some of our listening public might live under a rock and not know what Friday's announcement was. The stunning announcement that caught everybody, supposedly with the exception of Lewis Hamilton. Charlie Whiting re-evaluated the race, applied penalties to Nico Rosberg, and Lewis Hamilton is really the world champion? No. Oh. Actually, it was that they have... Well, Nico Rosberg has come out and he has said that he has achieved his dream of dreams. He is at the pinnacle of his performance. And as such, effective immediately, he was announcing his retirement from Formula One. (gasps) So he's not going to defend his title? He will not be defending his title in 2017. Okay. So naturally, no one in F1 possibly reacted to this. There was no statements by every person that could possibly have a microphone shoved in front of them. You know, Mercedes is uh, not going to run a second driver next year at all, right? Because, you know, silly season's over. They don't possibly have the ability to fill that seat. Well, you know, I'm pretty sure that there are several drivers who have now signed contracts for 2017 that are going, well, hell. <laughs> Actually, according to Nikki Lauda, over, over 
half the grid have reached out to him personally to discuss this now open seat on Mercedes. Half the grid. Toto has said that everybody, with the exception of Kimi Raikkonen and I've got the Kimi Raikkonen and one other person, and I will find it later because um, I don't have it up right now because you caught me by surprise. Okay. Um, but all but two drivers have called him. And the only reason why those were the only two drivers that didn't call is because those are the only two drivers that apparently don't have his phone number. Oh, my word. Now, Nikki Laudis said in an interview about a couple of hours ago that his phone has been ringing constantly. I believe it. And so. you know what? If you take a look, and you got to go back a few days now, um, but if you take a look at Mercedes' Twitter feed, they are sharing some of the emails that they have gotten uh, inquiring about the drive, <laughs> uh, including one that claims to have come from a rival of Max Verstappen's and uh, placed in the uh, email that uh, they were using Max as a reference <laughs> to which Mercedes um, retweeted that to Max and asked him if he had any kind of a comment. And Max just went to town with the team, um, including... You know, saying that he he can't uh, he can't tweet right now because he's talking to Toto, and <laughs> posted a picture of what appears to be um, his phone ringing, being called by Toto with a big picture of Toto's face, and him asking, "Well, should I answer it?" And, <laughs> and the team going, "Well, we'll see you at nine thirty on Monday." <laughs> um, you know. I have to, you have to kind of giggle a little, but you wonder how freaked Christian Horner and other drivers may actually be, um, extra uh, their team principals may actually be about this possibility. Because think about it, Mercedes has the ability to buy anyone out of a contract. So, and we know from Eddie Jordan and David Cothard's own words that contracts are really, they're not locked in stone you can buy people out there they trade them around all the time so anybody could be up for this seat and mercedes has come out and said it seems logical that um pascal verline would be sort of one of the top people to think about mm -hmm. he made his debut he's already in the mercedes program he doesn't have a seat i mean all of those things seem to be lining up that pascal would be prime for it but mercedes has come out and said with this morning, basically. Okay, because I didn't see that. Oh. I hadn't heard a comment. So, so they have come. Toto has come out and said that he is particularly looking for a more experienced driver. Now, does that mean Pascal's out of the running? I don't know, per se, but they're looking to hire a name. Well, they know Pascal. They mm -hmm. know Pascal very well. Um, it has come out that he is potentially a leading contender for. Uh, Felipe Nasser's seat over at Sauber. Okay. So there's been that rolling around. Um, there's been a lot of talk about several drivers. Now, the expectation is that for both, uh, both of at least the Red Bull drivers as opposed to the Toro Rosso drivers, but for the Red Bull drivers of Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo, while they would probably be some of the more in-demand drivers, the cost to get them out of the Red Bull program would be obscenely high and yeah. probably make them unlikely. 
um, with probably Daniel being, though, the most likely contender for them to go after, as much as we know that Toto has connections to the Verstappen family. Well, yes, and didn't one there wasn't there another se- <clears throat> several treats about uh, Toto calling Joss? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, we know that there's some frustration over in the Ferrari camp. We know there's frustration over in the McLaren camp. However, Toto has come out and said that um, as much as he might be interested in them, those he has no desire to interfere in the Ferrari or the McLaren programs and their efforts, and he feels that if he poached one of their drivers, um, that would be exactly what he is doing. He also said point blank that uh, the same thing goes for Valtteri Bottas, and he considers that if they went after Valtteri, that that would be essentially a worst-case scenario for Williams, and he has no desire to do that. Well, yeah. He has close ties to Williams, being that, you know, for a while he was a—he owned a controlling interest in the team. Right. And, you know, he has to have a soft spot for Williams since, you know, Susie— Yeah. I drove for uh, them as a test and development driver. Now, um, you know, just kind of dark horse thought process. You know Jensen Button is available, right? You know, that <laughs> thought crossed my mind. And one of the, the, the folks who is posting speculation about this over on Autosport, he specifically named Jensen. Mm. My, as much as, yes, we know Lewis and Jensen get along very well and they paired extremely well over at McLaren, um, the the words that we were getting out of Jensen leads me to believe that that is highly unlikely, just from the fact that I don't think Jensen wants it, um, let alone what it would take to get him out of that contract at McLaren and, and, and those pieces. Well, the other thing to think about, is some of what is Lewis going to be looking for in a teammate? Lewis wants – we know what he wants. I was going to say, because he's, he's come out and said it. Lewis wants to be the big dog on that team. He does not want to be equals with the next driver. And Mercedes has said that they have an interest in a one-two driver relationship, which would also seem to preclude – bringing over somebody like Sebastian Vettel or Fernando Alonso because neither one of them are going to tolerate that. Well, and we already know that Alonso would never be in the running because Lewis and Alonso had such a violent um, past when they were both at McLaren. You know, you say that, but how many times did we also say Fernando Alonso will never go back to McLaren? Fernando Alonso (laughs) will never work for Ron Dennis ever again. I know, I know. And we're two still. years into that relationship. Well, yeah, but Ron's on gardening leave now, so it doesn't count anymore. <laughs> um, no, the other thing to think about, well, Lewis came out and said that um, he doesn't need a driver to push him to ex- to exceed um, expectations. And I but think whatever. that that's short-sighted on Lewis's part, mm-hmm. personally. Um, but he... Has not he has come out and said that he is actually not part of the selection process. That if any driver wants to discuss it with him, he's open to that conversation, but he's not part of the selection process. Yes and no. the The team may not be directly consulting Lewis and going, "Well, what do you want?" 
that they may not be doing, but you got to think that the team is going, what's going, who is going to be a good match for Lewis to get us what we want? So for him to turn around and say that he's not part of that selection process, not entirely correct. Well, and he did say that they, that his understanding was that the team is looking for the team concept, you know, what works for the Mercedes team as a whole. But you've got to, you've got to recognize that with, Rosberg's stunning announcement and truly and we should talk a little bit about how he got to that point but truly that announcement has opened up the single most coveted seat on the grid yeah arguably either that or a Red Bull seat at this point right but Red Bull's still not winning races you know you've got an engine change that's happening next year you've got some changes that put things at you know an unknown Mm -hmm. level but Mercedes got it right with this hybrid engine, and they've dominated for the last three years. That makes that seat more coveted than Red Bull that's been playing catch-up. And even though they're catching up, they're not there yet. So do we want to keep talking about driver speculation because there's still more out there? Or do we want to talk about how Nico's you- statement? Well, let's finish up driver <clears throat> speculation, and then we'll go to how Nico made this decision. I think the other likely candidates— Actually, I think there's probably really well. Yeah, there's two others. Either um, there's been talk about possibly Esteban Ocon. The team knows him almost as well as they know Pascal Verline, um, but that would mean some negotiations with Force India, which I suspect that Force India would be amenable to, especially with a few, you know, million bucks or an engine mm-hmm. or two. Um, there's that, but what about also Carlos Sainz? Well, that would violate Toto's, I don't want to interrupt the Red Bull and McLaren development program. I mean, it's taking away from the well, Red Bull he development didn't, He program. didn't say anything about Red Bull. He said Ferrari or McLaren, number oh, one. Oh, okay. Number two, you've also got to think, unlike Max and Daniel, Carlos is probably on just a one-year deal. He's outperformed um, Kvyat since his demotion. Mm -hmm. He's probably more attractive than Kvyat. I think it's possible, but I don't know. I, I, I keep going back to that statement by Toto that he wants an experienced big name. And so I'm kind of looking at the top end of that grid to say, who are you looking at? And, you know, there's going to be smoke and mirrors and all of that. But just, I wonder, I wonder. Now, I will tell you, Max would be stupid to go to Mercedes because he would be competing in the same car with his most likely competitor for a world championship. And... While that often works out, only one of them can rise. And so that would be an interesting thought. I think as long as Max is driving well, Red Bull will do whatever they can to keep him in the family because they don't want to have to drive against him. And and that's the other thing is I I don't think that the Red Bull organization is going to be able to keep that that influence over Carlos Sainz for – much longer he doesn't want to stay 
at Toro Rosso, and there's nowhere else for him to go within the organization. So at some point, he's going to be looking for a seat outside of the Red Bull group. But do you honestly think that he is ready for the leap to Mercedes? I think he's more ready than Ocon or um, Palmer or Verline or most of the other younger drivers out there. Well, and he does have – he's got just as much Formula One experience as Max does. Yeah. And he competed competitively to Max when he was head-to-head with Max. Well, you got to be looking at that, too. I get that. What I'm hoping for is that they're not looking at Sergio Perez. I don't think so. And I, I don't think that now, now Sergio is probably one of those drivers. Sergio Perez and Nico Hulkenberg both are probably two drivers that are going, well, hell, if we knew this was going to happen. Well, no, I mean, again, but, contracts aren't written in stone. So I would imagine that they're on the phone with Nikki and Toto at this point trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, and Sergio had that up and down, is he, is he or will he or yeah. won't he conversation. I'm just, I'm not. I, I get that he's a good driver. I just don't know. And in some of it's colored by his experience at McLaren. Yeah, I don't know no. if he's After ready for prime time. disaster, I don't know. Yeah. The question is, is he really ready for prime time? But he was the other person on a podium this year. Mm-hmm. So you got to kind of think about, are they going to be looking for podium people and people that have been on the podiums? Well, now you're limited to Red Bull, Ferrari, and that one Force India. Um, all right. Any other contenders for the seat? You put your application in, didn't you? Pastor Maldonado. No. <laughs> Not even Mercedes could handle the destruction that Maldonado does. Well, you know, they don't need his money. Well, he probably doesn't have any money now, but. I was going to say. Um, have you put in your application yet? I did. It was not the one that also said that you were a good forklift driver, right? It was not <laughs> that I had. I, I, I did not mention my ex- expertise driving a forklift. <laughs> that was one of the applications that Mercedes. Yeah. So, some of what Nico has had to say regarding how he came to the decision and and what has motivated him to make this decision, um, from Autosport. Um, he said, you know, this year was extremely tough because I put absolutely everything into it. I didn't leave a stone unturned from Austin last year where I suffered a lot after that loss. So I pushed like crazy in all directions and along with everybody who was involved, which was also my family, a lot of sacrifices. My wife, for example, every time I was home, she understood that I needed to rest so I never did any nights. I never took care of my little daughter. I never did any difficult things. She was always there to support, to make it as easy as possible, and that's just one example of the commitment we all put into it. I've achieved this childhood dream, and I'm not willing to do that sort of commitment again for another year, and I'm not interested in coming f- coming in fourth or whatever. I'm a fighter, and I want to win. I'm not interested to do that again. I don't want to do it again. So I've decided to follow my heart, and my heart has told me to stop there and call it a day and go on to other things. Um, but we also got word that he first considered stopping at the end of 2016 following his 
Japanese, or, or yeah, stopping the end of this year following his Japanese Grand Prix victory. Um, it's when he realized that the destiny of the, the title fight was in his hands, um, no matter what Lewis could do over the final four races. That was where we knew he had his seconds and, thir- and, and a third all the way through, and it was his to win. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he said that ahead of the race on Sunday, he knew that it was likely to be his final race, and he admits that he had to think very hard about making sure it was the right decision following the title decider. He said, the thing that gave me most clarity before Sunday's race was the thought of, I'm actually going to win here today. This is going to be my last race, so let's take it in. And he said this at the FIA prize-giving announcement, or or prize-giving, where he announced his retirement on Friday. Um, And I think it's interesting, the FIA prize-giving, not the FIA awards ceremony or Mm. prize-giving. It it, it doesn't sound right. (laughs) It's missing something. Yes. Now, he, had, he did not announce this to, like, the Mercedes team on Friday. He had told them on Monday and Tuesday he talked to Toto. and Well, it was Wednesday he spoke to Toto, and he said he spoke to Toto over the phone. He wanted to do it in person. He was in tears. But he spoke to Lewis first. Mm. So he went on to say that you know, the, the decision uh, to – ended before Sunday's race. He said it took away some of that massive pressure, so that was very nice. That finished as soon as the lights went off because after that it was the most intense and crazy and tough race of my life. Then it was just going then it was just a process on Monday. I didn't know if I had the ball, so it took a bit of time. His words. <laughs> but I'm going through with it and I'm feeling great. Um he added that uh, he made sure Lewis learned of his decision firsthand by telling his rival the news himself. So you got to remember, they live in the same building. Yeah. So it was walking over to Lewis's apartment and saying, hey, um, yeah, you're on your own, dude. <laughs> and you got to think about it in terms of these are kids, kids who have literally battled on the track since days in karting. Yeah. They were teens together. They were teens together. I mean, this is, you know, you have to ask that question of, is Lewis where he is because Nico has pushed him this hard through the years too? I mean, you can't discount Nico's effect on Lewis and Lewis's effect on Nico. I mean, they are joined. This could be one of the first times that they would be, that he would be on the grid without his rival. Yeah. Now, he was asked if he could be tempted to return to Formula One in the future. Nico was adamant that he would not consider a comeback. His exact words, definitely not. Finished. Done. End of story. Whoa. But he has wavered on that a touch. While he has said that he is adamant that he will not be returning as a driver in Formula One, he also says that he still wants to be part of the paddock and be in the paddock. So you have a conspiracy theory. I'm going to throw out a, a, a complete and total speculative rumor here. We know Nico, A, he comes from a lot of money. And thanks to his successes through his, the years at Mercedes and Williams and his longstanding Formula One career, he has earned a significant amount of money. Yes, so he's rich. Thank you. We knew this. He's a very smart guy. He has like a degree in aerospace or it's, aer- it's like aeronautics or, or aerodynamics or something. But he, 
he is known to have a very strong engineering background. And it just so happens that there's rumors that there might be a Formula One team for sale. Just saying. A Formula One team that already has existing ties to Mercedes? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, you don't say. (laughs) Now, while I could see Nico coming back as like a technical director, I really could Mm -hmm. because he does have like actual skills that way. I don't necessarily see him owning a team or running the running part of a team. You, so, you don't see him doing a, a, a Nicky Lauda? Where he's just wandering through the paddock with his red hat? I, I don't necessarily from think whoever I sponsored s- him this year. Yeah, I don't necessarily <laughs> think I see uh, Nico wandering much. He's, he's very German. He's got purpose. The, he walks with purpose. The, that's true. He, he is, well, he claims Germany as his home. Right. Despite the fact that his father's Finnish and he lives in Mon- and, he, and he grew up in Monaco. Well, yeah, but there's never been a Monacoan uh, driver. I don't know about that. Yeah, they all claim different home residences. I don't know if there's like been somebody that's truly quote a Monacoan. I don't know. I mean, Nikki's Austrian. Very. The whole leadership of that team is Austrian. Because Toto Wolf is Austrian, too. Yes. We have the Austrians running the German team. We have the Brits running the Austrian team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the EU at its best. Oh, that's right. England's leaving. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I you know, we, as much as we did not dedicate nearly this kind of time to Felipe's departure— I see Felipe not trying to get himself involved in the business or any of the other bits and pieces of Formula One. I could see Nico trying to find his way into a leadership and management position with a Formula One team. I have a quick question for you on secession of Nico. Okay. Massa did not have a great season. Mm-hmm. But wait, just hear me out for a second. Uh-huh. He didn't have a great season, but he was still driving very well. And I get that he's a senior statesman in the world of Formula One at like 36. But if Mercedes is looking for a name and somebody that's got a lot of history and all of that, Massa's available. Uh, except that Massa decided much earlier than even Jensen, that he was done. So that's my question. Is he done because he's done? Or is he done because he didn't see any way to move forward? And if it's because he didn't see any way to move forward, this does open up that opportunity. I I, I see what you're saying. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I got the impression that Massa said that he was done with Formula One. And just like Jensen has said, that he he is done with Formula One. Yeah. Well, see, I I don't know about Jensen. I really don't. I I keep going back and forth because, you know, he left the door open with his weird announcement. 
And now he, you know, as it settled in on him, he said, yeah, this is probably my last race. I have to look at it as my last race. And I get where he's coming from, but if he had the opportunity to go to a team that could be competitive, but don't you think he would take that? Nor, based on the earlier bits and pieces and what we heard of the announcement, yeah, I would think so. Based on what we actually heard from Jensen the weekend of the race and the words that the drivers that knew him, Mark Weber and David Cothard, who know him probably better than anybody else on the grid, they've all said the same thing, that he wasn't done until he got to this weekend and realized that, no— He's done, and he does not want to come back. Well, so okay. I get it, but I, I keep going back to that. You've seen every politician that's left politics for, for family reasons when the reality is they realize they can't win. And you become done because you don't see a way forward. But if a way forward suddenly presented itself, do you become undone? It depends on the true motivation. Because by that logic, Nico would be staying in. He's at the top of his game. No, I, I and, think Nico's and, logic is very different. Because Nico's logic is, I've hit my pinnacle. I don't want to fight for this again. He's done because he achieved his goal. My goal was to win a title. I have my title. I have a family. I want to go back to my, my world. Jensen has his title, though. Jensen has his title and kept going forward. Mm -hmm. If you want to say getting the title, you know, is the the pinnacle and you're done, he would have stopped in 2009. I don't know. I I think he's he's done with Formula One. I think both of them are. I just it, it would be an interesting conversation to have. Okay. And of course, if. Jensen was to go to Mercedes, we would be playing the song Reunited. <laughs> so, you know, one last thing to mention about uh, Nico, and it's actually not about Nico. It's about his dad, who we had commented that we have seen very, very little of. And KK made a very rare appearance and a very rare round of interviews last weekend um initially we got word that he was not even in abu dhabi turns out he was he was staying with a buddy and came down to the track for the very end of the race did he actually get to see the end of the race live and in person because he had said something nico said that his dad was on the way to the track during the like award pieces yeah i i don't think he actually did um, but it has been very deliberate on KK's part. And um, there, there was a lot of talk. What he said that – actually, let me go back a little bit. KK said that uh, uh, he had no choice to – there was no choice but to come here because if I was to come here for three days doing nothing, there would not have been a peaceful minute for me. Mm -hmm. He likes the solitude. He said, so we discussed it with Nico, and he said, I, look, I can't come. It doesn't work. So that's why he didn't go to the track. 
He said, I don't think he knew exactly where I was, but he knew I was in Dubai. Mm. Um, Rosberg insists that, that he had no plans to change his strategy of avoiding F1 while Nico was racing. So even he didn't know that this was coming. Which he are we talking about? You, you've lost me. With KK these. didn't know that the retirement was coming. Ah, okay. Because he had insisted that while Nico was racing, he was not going to attend any of the races. And what he told the press is that, you know, what you all forget is that he hasn't done – this is his first interview that he's done since January 2010. Wow. He has deliberately tried to stay out of it. The only reason why he got – and he said the only reason why he started giving interviews this week is that – you know, this is the first time, and it was hard to avoid. You can't avoid that your son has now won a world championship, and it would have looked very strange if he didn't show up to celebrate. Right. But he has been very, and he made the rounds to several of, of the, the the outlets, media outlets, to, to give interviews and comments and also point out that, you know, I, I do not want to overshadow anything that Nico's done. I don't want to overshadow his career and everything that's going on this week that you guys are, are, are showing up around me. It's proving that I was right. Mm. <laughs> so he's not in the Josh Verstappen uh, realm of parenting. He's much more on the uh, Daddy Sane's realm of pa- parenting. Yeah. Um, or the Mr. Uh, Daddy Palmer. Yeah. Well, Jolian Palmer's been to the track several times. And if you recall, there was. And we had mentioned it when the, when the picture had come out. There was a picture that either Red Bull or Toro Rosso had put out during one of the rain delays. They had gotten um, Carlos Sainz Jr., because Carlos Sainz Jr. Jr. is the one who's driving. It's Carlos Sainz Jr. and Joss in their son's race suits and had a picture of them standing next to each other. <laughs> right. So there was that. Um, there, speaking of race suits, Autosport— <laughs> It was a really interesting picture, I thought. It's a picture of what I am assuming is Nico's mom on, and KK flanking Nico and Vic, uh, Veronica. Vi- no. Vivian. Vivian, thank you. I always get there. Too many Vivian. And, and Vivian. Um, picture of them celebrating afterwards. What I think is interesting, though, is that Nico's wearing Mercedes team T-shirt and slacks. Vivian's in a race suit with the top rolled down and the Mercedes undershirt just like Nico normally wears in the race. Excellent. <laughs> I hope they washed that thing first. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. Um, no, back to KK. I, I think that he does like to be the recluse, but, you know, for him to take that giant step back and say, you know, Nico entered the sport in 2010. Um, and so to take the giant step back and say, this is Nico's, <coughs> Nico's time. Don't interview me about my son. I yeah. mean, I'm a dad first. I'm not a world champion when it comes to Nico. Now, yes, it still feels really weird that his dad wasn't at the track. I mean, I don't care who you are. Your son's about to win a world championship, and you're not there? Well, there's a part of me that thinks that the reason why the press ganged him so much and were all over him so much wasn't so much because he was K.K. Rosberg, former 
F1 world champion, it was because he was K.K. Rosberg, Nico's dad, that we haven't seen in six and a half years. Right. Because I think he's a recluse to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that him coming out and doing interviews now is probably hard on him, but he's kind of got to. I mean, they're the only father-son team beyond the hills that have done what they've done. There's only um, the Hills and Rossbergs are the only two. That's right. I, th- I was thinking there was one other. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of father son teams in the sport, but yeah, the the only two that have won the world champion and and Graham was dead when Damon won. Mm-hmm. So Graham didn't even get a chance to be interviewed. Yeah, those would have been bad interviews. I don't know. No, I mean. Kim and a tombstone, you know, the interviewer in a tombstone. Oh, got it. <laughs> Very one-sided. Okay. So. <laughs> Sorry, being morbid. We'll wrap up with Lewis's reaction. And he was all, yay, go, Nico. No, actually, Lewis's reaction was in line with what you would expect from two long-time friends and relations in the sport. Except for the fact that Lewis also said that he wasn't surprised. I don't think he was. So what Lewis had to say. The sport will miss him, but I wish him all the best. I'm sure it is a surprise to many people. I am probably the only person who thought it was not a surprise because I've known him a long time, but this is motor racing. This is the first time he's won in 18 years, hence why it was not a surprise that he decided to stop. So he had to go and do the jab, <laughs> one last one. But he went on. He said he got, he's got a family to focus on, and he wants more children, and F1 takes so much time. Will I miss the rivalry? Of course. We had always talked about being champions, and when I joined this team and Nico was there, which is also something we talked about when we were kids. It is definitely something very strange, and it'll be sad to not have him in the team next year. Now, Lewis admitted that he would have preferred to have the chance to fight back and beat Nico next season, although he said he was not too bothered by the decision. Lewis said, I wouldn't say I was annoyed. Of course, it's a shame that he won't allow me to take it back or fight to take it back, but that is his choice, and I respect his decision. Go out on top while you can. I have a different viewpoint. I won the championship the past two years and gave us an opportunity to have another shot. That is how I am. I consistently believe in my ability and do what I can. If I win again, I want another opportunity. I love racing and being challenged by different competitors. Again, we have been racing for 18 years, so it is not the worst scenario for me. Well, there's that. And I think there was something in that statement from Lewis that is very, very telling. Nico said Nico wants more family. And we mm-hmm. had talked about this when they were talking about going to Brazil with Zika. Yeah. Um, and whether Nico had concern. W- he was concerned. And so I, I I won't be surprised if we have an announcement that Vivian is pregnant or soon pregnant, just from the standpoint of he I know he's wanted more kids. Yeah. And if he hasn't been able to interact with his young daughter who is now just over a year old. He's going to want to be a participant in mm-hmm. that pro- in the growing up of his children. Nico said in another interview, and I don't think that you have this piece, that had he lost in Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. had he lost the title, he was going to come back next year. That was, that was the flipping point, was if he had dropped back, 
if he didn't make that third that he needed, he he was he would have come back and done this one more time. Well, you know that that's in line with what we said that come Japan where he was in more control over the title and, and whether or not Lewis would win than Lewis was in control of the title. That was the start of the decision point for him. Yeah. And I think that that is, that is the very fair piece. I think that, yes, we got to that point where Nico said, I've done it. I've done what I want to do. He had no desire, desire to defend his title or become a double world champion or any of that. And I think that, honestly, if he got really quiet and good and honest with himself, he knows that what it took for him to get this title this year was probably all he had to give. So coming back to defend it, he would have been on the losing end of it. To try to strive for the double world title, he would have been on the losing end of it. And that's not the way you want to go out of the sport. Well, there's that. There's also, this was arguably the best season performance-wise of Nico's entire career right. he has ever had. And for it to be the absolute pinnacle that he has done in performance and for it to be that close and if it was not for truly to some extent luck that kept lewis behind he would have been running at the best possible and still not have won right so and that's that's where i think that that gets if you get good and honest you have to ask your question yourself the question can i repeat this and if Nico's math on can I repeat this says no, what I mean, he was five points different. Lewis having one less retirement mm -hmm. would have swung this entirely a different way. If he hadn't had the engine blow up in Malaysia, this would have been Lewis's title. Right. So you have to say if that was the case, I'm having to rely on the luck of, you know, bad luck for mm -hmm. him. To get the title, I don't want to do that. And so the English tabloids, yes, the position that they have taken, besides the level of righteous indignation for the how dare he not come back to challenge the title against Lewis and, and let Lewis win it back and all of that, they have also taken the position that Lewis has essentially forced Nico out. <laughs> Now, to some extent, arguably they are correct in that, you know, he forced Nico to fight harder than he has ever fought before, and Nico decided that he doesn't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not for him. So, yeah, there is that. But they have also they, they've said that forced Nico out. One of the, the tabloid writers went so far as to say that Nico is a fool for doing this because now he will not be, even though he is a world champion, he will not be re remembered as one of the sport's greatest. <laughs> okay. I think that's, um, I think that's a lot of sour grapes personally. Because I got to tell you something. I, I, you know, in that whole vein of arguments that the tabloids have put out, one of their statements was that this is a result of all of the years, years, 18 of them, of mind games that Lewis has been playing on Nico. And, you know, Lewis's constant push, push, push on Nico, and he's finally exploded, and, you know, he's a wuss because he can't take the, the psychological warfare that Lewis puts him through. And 
I got to tell you, I kind of think this is the ultimate final FU to Lewis. If you, if you really think about it, think this through for a second. He is removing the ability for Lewis to steal it back from him. He will never lose to Lewis again. He won He and walked off the field. There is no challenging. He just dropped the mic. Oh, he did. On Lewis. And that, to me, is like, I have put up with you for 18 years. Shove it. I'm out. The The only reason why I disagree with you on that is that these, with the exception of the last two to three years, they have not been bitter rivals. No. And there's been much that has been said about how close the two of them have been through the years and how much that they have gotten gotten along. And that's the only reason why, yeah, in, in many respects, this isn't a, a mic drop moment, but it, it's not take your title and, and, and stick it. But Well, no, it, a, a bitter rivals, no. They have not been bitter rivals all 18 years, but they have been highly competitive with each other. They pegged each other as their single competition point. They, they are not besties. True. They are competitors and rivals and they have fought with each other. And there's a lot of stories that even back in carding, when Nico and Lewis were head to head with each other, Lewis blinked, uh, Nico blinked. And, that is constant, and Lewis knows very well how to get under Nico's skin, and he did it. The number of times that you heard, I've been controlling the pace the whole race, mm-hmm. or, oh, yeah, I had no problem with my tires, even though he was bitterly complaining about his tires during the race. All of that is, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have leading up into a weekend of, I was at the edge, I was at my limit, I, I couldn't have pulled out any further out, and he was, you know, a tenth ahead of, of Nico. And sure enough, all the way through the race, yeah, I turned my engine down three quarters of the way through the race. I mean, I mean there, there's no denying that they have picked at each other and they have done things and, to try and spin the other one up for the last couple of years. I mean... I just have that feeling. I, I, if I put myself in Nico's shoes for a moment and just go, I have listened to you prattle on for all these years about, you know, this or that. And I have this one moment. It's my moment. I'm going to claim it and I'm never going to let you have it again. Lewis will never get the chance to put Nico down again. Yeah. That is that mic drop. It's like, in that regard, I agree with the tabloids that Lewis pushed him into it. I think that Nico knew that he couldn't win another one. And so why not walk right as you hit that top? There is no need. He, he's like, I've got nothing left to prove. And dropped the mic. And he's done. Now, I know that Rosberg overshadowed everything else that happened this week. But it's not the only thing that happened in F1 in the last seven days, is it? N- not at all. There was there was a bunch of other stuff that we still wanted to talk about, at least briefly. Um, as normally happens at the end of Abu Dhabi, the following two days are some postseason testing, the last final ditch runs of the 2016 cars, a lot of times used for 
uh, young driver testing. This year was used for final tire testing for the 2017 tires. The one and only time that Lewis Hamilton was supposed to have been out testing all season because he couldn't make it for the second mid-season test, he ended the testing early because he didn't feel well. Hangover? I don't know. Party too hard? But they were out of young driver testing days where they could put Pascal Verline in the seat. He was not available. Nico was in Malaysia for PR stuff related to his world championship win at that point, which meant Mercedes' testing program was done at that point. Interesting. Yeah. Um, at the test, um, of the there were only three cars, and it was actually the first time all season that the three test cars from Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari were on the track at the same time, running their 2017 tires. But there were 100 different compounds tested by Pirelli over during this period. Wow, that's a lot of compounds. Yeah, they, they are trying really hard to get this sorted out. Now, what we have not heard is what the deal is with the wet weather tires. We know the drivers hate them. Obviously, Abu Dhabi is not a great place to try and test wet weather tires. Barney has a solution for that. Sprinklers. <laughs> well, you know, that's what they did going into the season at uh, uh, Barcelona, was they hosed down the track so that they could test the tire because it didn't rain. Right. So, And obviously that didn't work very well because they still hated the tires. It wasn't just Nico's last race, though. You mentioned Jensen's last race. Jensen said that, uh, yeah, even though he retired and it did not go very well, it really didn't matter. He even, and we missed this because we didn't watch the post-race coverage on NBCSN, but uh, Jensen apparently joked with Will Buxton in the post-race coverage that uh, he should have won, but he didn't think that was on the card, so he decided to retire early instead. Oh, okay. But uh, he did say it was a very very emotional weekend um the the team and some various folks gave him the guard of honor as they call it escort between the hospitality and the garage pre-race um he did say that uh it was very awesome that even though he did not finish the race he was able to celebrate early and enjoy the race from that perspective so he was having a, a beer for the old boy before the race was over probably speaking of drivers okay. your favoritest team with the greatest of business senses in the entire paddock we have to be talking about Monisha Keltenborn right now <laughs> <laughs> because there's not enough sarcasm for any other team principal. Monisha has come forward, and she has said, because we know that uh, Felipe Nasser's seat is in jeopardy because he lost the Banco de Brazil money, um, she has said that finding a driver for 2017 is currently the team's top priority. And the sky is blue and water is wet and um, – grass is green yeah so thank you for stating the obvious and of course up until friday pascal verline was considered to be one of the leading contenders for that seat which if you think about it could have been interesting because they are a ferrari team 
mm. with Pascal being in the Mercedes program. So does this mean he's pulling out of the Mercedes program or was Mercedes willing to let him go to, to you know, further his expertise and experience? And it would be interesting because, you know, there's been so much talk about him being in the Mercedes program. And now, you know, he's theoretically a contender for the Rosberg seat. So we'll see. So we've got to now look forward to tracks and races and rule changes, which, you know, we've, we've got to watch that with some concern after what happened last year. However... Uh, word has come out that one of the things that has been discussed, there's been a couple of things that have been discussed. One is that um, getting all the, the various volunteer stewards together several times during the season to review decisions that were made at earlier races. We don't know if this is a thought of trying to uh, possibly reconsider decisions or if it's just a matter for all of the stewards to talk about thought processes of how they got to that to promote more consistency. Okay. I think that's um, a decent that, idea on the latter side of that. If it's to reconsider post, you know, several races post, I think that that's uh, dangerous. Yeah. And, and I haven't heard whether or not they would actually reconsider, but that was one of the things that they had discussed was to discuss decision processes and decision-making processes in these decisions to try and unify and, and get more consistency in there. I have not heard if they will, they're going to actually revisit the decisions and reevaluate them. That's a concern. The other thing that has been talked about is that the FIA is looking at some of the corners and the runoff areas that have been created and realize that, yeah, maybe they need to rethink that because the cars running wide has been an issue. Mm -hmm. So they want to find a way to bring back some quote-unquote natural penalties for running wide. The, you know, if you go off the track, you end up in something that slows you down or there is no advantage gained in going off the track at select corners. They actually think that this is not as, this is not throughout the entire series and at every track it's an issue. They believe it's only about 11 or 12 corners total throughout the entire championship that it is a concern. Well, you know, Bernie's going to build a wall. Well, the thought is potentially sausage curbs. Those are dangerous. Well, that that's what I go back to. Yes, the sausage curbs work to slow people down and cause the issues, but there's always been the concern that when you hit one of those sausage curbs at speed that they could launch the car. I don't know if they're thinking that maybe with the extra aerodynamic uh, changes that are being made to increase downforce that maybe that'll – make it less likely for a car to go airborne, or they've decided that just while, yes, there's a risk, the risk is not that great? I don't know. Interesting. But I thought it was sausage curbs that caused uh, tire cutting on one of the tracks a couple of years ago, and wasn't sausage curbs blamed for... Um... It wasn't so much the sausage curbs themselves it was the drivers going out beyond the sausage curb, and when they came back, the join between the sausage curb and the paved area that they were on was, was what was causing the issue. Okay, so they have to do the sausage curbs properly. Right, and, and, and it may not have been so much the sausage, because it was Silverstone that you're thinking of with Gary Anderson going out there, and that was more those ridges. 
and it was the edges of the ridges. They were going out beyond the edges of the ridges, and that was what was tearing it up. Because it was cutting on the inside of right. like, the left front, the left tires or something. It was an inside cut. Right. Um, I mean, what about things like gravel and grass? The, the concern with gravel, and it, it, it's not quite there with grass, but the concern with gravel and, and is what you saw in Melbourne this past year. When Fernando went in there at high speed sideways, the car catches and, and that sends it flipping. So that, that's the concern with gravel. Mm. If a car goes into it head on, the gravel catches it, slows the car down, and all is good. But if a car goes into the gravel sideways, because a lot of these are on a turn, there is an increased risk for the car to dig in and go flipping. Okay. So that that's the concern. As much as I would prefer gravel, I think gravel makes better sense. That's the fear. But grass? Grass, I think it's a matter of getting the car slowed down enough and allowing the drivers to retain control. Mm-hmm. Skidding across the grass and, and end up going into a wall. And I think the example there is Barcelona this year. Okay. I mean... All, all things to think about. I mean, we've got to keep them safe, but we also have to – you're right. And I think that they're – I think it's a viable option to create natural consequences for going wide. Those large runoff areas that are super safe mm-hmm. are less interesting. I mean, uh, I think it's Bahrain and Abu Dhabi both have got them. And that does lend to a less interesting race. How about? pit filled with gasoline on fire that would be a bernie suggestion that that would definitely deter exceeding track limits yeah almost as much as a wall yeah i still think that i i still like the idea of embedding um electronics use strips no use tech to help yeah you know, yes, you can have these nice safe runoff areas. That's fine, but use the tech. Put a put the a sensor, sensors and bings. loops in the in the curbs, and if you exceed X number of times, which is completely unarguable because we have a sensor, um, you you know, race mm-hmm. control can slow the car down. I don't. I, I mean, they know exactly where those cars are within inches. Yeah, the entire race. So. so if you're exceeding track limits, you know, I think that becomes, to me, that combines the safety with the tech. And I think that if we're not using good tech well when it comes to things like that, I would like to see maybe it's electronic electrical shock to the driver when they exceed te- uh, track limits. You know, you want to add excitement and spice to the race? Let's shock our drivers zap them in in, in a particularly sensitive area backs of the knees (laughs) okay so moving on we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with that and we will see if um bernie is actually dumb enough to propose another change to qualifying like he promised earlier this year no but the calendar has been announced some very important things of note in this calendar Number one, there will be no Germany race this year. We knew that last week. Well, it's not fully unexpected, yeah. Um, Italy has been confirmed. A deal has been signed. How, and For Monza. 
yes, for Monza. Um, there will be no European Grand Prix next year. Okay. There will, however, be an Azerbaijani Grand Prix, uh-huh. which I think makes better Much sense. Much more sense. <laughs> now, is it still the stupid uh, timing where they go to Canada, then back to Azerbaijan in like a week? Um, nope. Uh, Canadian Grand Prix will be the weekend of June 9th to the 11th, with the Azerbaijan Grand Prix the 23rd to the 25th, followed by the Austrian Grand Prix July 7th to the 9th. Okay. Um, there's also been a little bit of separation, uh, once again, placed between the Mexican Grand Prix and the Brazilian Grand Prix. There was talk of putting those two races back to back with putting some separation between Brazil and, and uh, or excuse me, Mexico City and Austin. That did not happen. Um, the other one they did put some separation between, though, is Singapore, which is 15th to the 17th. Uh, and Malaysia, which is now September 29th to October 1st. So they put a week between them, which I think they were this year as well. Yes. I think that was actually one of the complaints was that there was a week between them because the drivers normally in Singapore don't change their biological clocks. Well, there's that. There's also that um, they're still really close together mm-hmm. in a region that can't support them. Right. That's problematic. The other key piece, though, something to remember here, is because we have lost Germany instead of the 21-race season that we had this year, we're only looking at a 20-race season this year. And that's important because when you have 21 races, you get five engines for the season. Oh. But when you're only at 20 races, you're left with four. Oh. Yes. And we've closed the Lewis exception. <laughs> yeah. Now, according to Bernie Eccleston, he is already talking 2018 calendar. And according to Bernie, the much missed French Grand Prix will be returning for 2018. I'm sure they're just looking for a pin, much like Las Vegas, right? Well,. When I heard this little bit here, because I didn't realize this little bit of news, um, when I heard this little bit of news, I couldn't help but wonder why the French Grand Prix had not returned sooner. Mm. Because it turns out that the owners of the uh, track at uh, it's Circuit Paul Ricard, also known as Magni Corps, but the owners of Circuit Paul Ricard, would happen to be the Eccleston Family Trust. So he couldn't pay his own extortion payment? Yeah. I didn't realize that his own damn family owned the track. So the only reason we're getting a French Grand Prix back is because Liberty Media is buying the thing and he's trying to get more money for himself well no according to bernie what bernie says is that it's nothing to do with them at all i think they are renting it to the people that are going to be the promoters now he said that the rate the race would be held on more or less sort of the german date probably (laughs) That's a quote there. More or less, sort of the German date, probably. (laughs) Okay. 
Which the BBC goes on to say, without specifying what that meant for the future of the German Grand Prix. Now, Hockenheim does have a contract to do so, to host the, the race in 2018 as well. So who knows? But Bernie says the French Grand Prix is coming back. And I, you know, we've never seen a French Grand Prix because it was dropped off the calendar before we started watching Formula One. I've heard good things about that race. It, it, it sounded like that that was a track that was very much loved and produced some really good events. So I'm hopeful that this could be a very good addition, never mind the fact that this is the addition of another race in Europe. Oui, oui. Okay. So our last bit of news. And for us, this wasn't a huge surprise. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, um, actually about the same time that we mentioned the rumors about uh, Zach Brown not taking the job with uh, uh, Formula One, but with McLaren. Right. And that was that we have confirmation this week that longtime McLaren sponsor ExxonMobil has left the team and has moved to Red Bull to take the place of Total. Interesting. As the fuel and fluids provider. Fuel and fluids. That always makes me laugh. <laughs> Actually, fuel and lubricants, more specifically. Ah. Well, that's less funny. Um <laughs> Yes. So in the continuation of things that Ron Dennis could not accomplish in the keeping sponsors, uh, Zach Brown will now have to not only find a new title sponsor, he will also be looking for a fluids sponsor. Actually, he will not be. Oh. Who he is will he not be because um, McLaren has already agreed to a deal uh, for uh, BP. Now, it, it's unclear what the brand will be with BP, but BP is taking McCl or, uh, ExxonMobil's place. Uh, it's potentially going to be Castrol, who oh. will be handling fuel and lubricants for McLaren. But uh, Castrol is apparently a BP brand, and it's BP who is taking their place. Okay. Which also marks a return to the sport. Well, actually, isn't... Castrol, do, is it Castrol or Pennzoil that's over on the Force Indias? Because BP also used to have a very big presence in Formula One, and we haven't seen much of them in a long time. I think it's Castrol that's on Force India. Okay. I don't know. What I think would be interesting, and I know we, we have friends who are very anti-BP, for some valid reasons. But what I think would be interesting is that if they left the Castrol brand alone on the Force Indias and came back on the McLarens as BP. Mm. Interesting. I don't think they will, but figured I would throw that out there. Yes. All right. So in the upcoming weeks. In the upcoming weeks, we first are going to have to talk about the results of our predictions from the uh -oh. start of the season. I'm not going to pull them this week because we had enough to talk about. It wasn't Thank you, Rossberg. Um, yeah, there's so much for our big story of the year. That's <laughs> right out the window. <laughs> you know, it was already on the way there with Ron Dennis leaving, and now this, oh, just gone. Yeah. 
Yeah. So unpredictable piece <laughs> there. Um, so we have prediction recap to go through. Mm-hmm. We have items in the test lab. We do. We have other things to talk about. Possibly. I don't know what those other things are, but stay tuned. We may be doing some car reviews. Ooh. Ooh. Car reviews could be happening. Yes. Um, so there are definitely things in the future. We are now firmly in December, which means that we are sliding quickly towards the end of the year mm-hmm. and our infamously famous end of the year show where you recap all of the great events of the year that we have never once done and will never do again we did it last year no all we did was we had the audio right which we have not been prepping for this year well then that you know our minions our intern is fired (laughs) i'm firing our intern who's supposed to handle that well that's good because i was going to give him a raise (laughs) (laughs) you're going to double his salary from zero to zero yep um, yeah, I'm firing him if he's not prepping for for our end of the year special extravaganza. Yeah, th- this year, and the reason why, to be honest with you, because we tried and I was going to have it ready was thanks to the radio band. Mm, the the audio that that we were collecting. I mean, that's why we had so many shows this year that we did not have audio. Because the audio we were collecting just was not as good as it was last year. So we may do something next year, but truly it depends on the audio. There just wasn't as good audio this year. All right, I'm challenging all of our F1 drivers to have better audio this year. Mind you, if we did it this year, we could summarize all of the audio from Vettel inside his (laughs) Ferrari with beep, 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 beep. Yeah. There, I have done our summary show. Um, so we have that coming up. We're going to be looking forward to winter testing. Um, we're going to be starting to look forward to what's going on in the beginning parts of IndyCar. Yeah, winter testing kicks off the last week of February. So I'm thinking that we should see car reveals. Uh, given how late testing is going to be starting, I'm thinking the first car reveals are going to happen probably first week of February. Normally, we get them the end of January. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Yeah. Well, you know, when pitchers and catchers report for spring training, um, we'll start start seeing cars, I'm sure. Yeah, we're going to have an interesting (coughs) year coming up with IndyCar, so. And then we got IndyCar, and we got to watch and see what happens with Button and what car he's going to decide to follow and fall into. And, um, fall into, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying and it just came out. I don't know what out. happened. I was just walking down a pit <laughs> lane and whoop, there I was in the cockpit, in my race suit and everything. <laughs> Damn. That would happen to button. Yeah. Exactly that way. That would happen to button. Um, and on all of that, as we come to look at our off season, and the fun and the fabulousness. This is the time for all of those that are like, could they stop talking about F1? This is your three months. Potentially. Last year we thought that was going to happen, and I think we ended up with like maybe three weeks. I know. Um, and, of course, we need to call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break. <laughs>